I'm Colleen Shaddix for the Connecticut Health Investigative Team, and this is The Workup, an occasional series of podcasts exploring health issues that concern you. This podcast was produced in partnership with Connecticare. More than 34 million Americans provide unpaid care to an older adult every year, according to AARP. Managing an aging parent's health care can be complicated, logistically and emotionally. Experts say that talking about elder care years before it's needed is key to making the task easier. I'm Donna Fettis. I'm a gerontologist and founder of Borrow My Glasses. It's actually... um, very tricky territory to navigate both for the adult children and for the aging parents, um, not to mention healthcare providers as well. You know, we're in an unprecedented time in terms of longevity. Never before have people lived as long as they do now. And so we've always taken care of our own elders. That's nothing new, but the length of time that we need to do that and the kinds of complexity Um, that people have to manage today is really unprecedented. So this is new territory people need to navigate. So what are some general tips? Where do you start? I think in general, I would say start talking early and often. The more open your lines of communication, the better it is Mm -hmm. for everyone. And that doesn't mean every conversation is wonderful. And it certainly doesn't mean that everyone agrees all the time. But I think that families that I work with and see run into trouble when they are not talking to each other and they're convinced that their perspective is the only one and the right one and uh, that's usually not the case. (laughs) So that's trouble. So what does your parents doctor need from you? You should have a list of your parents medication and when I say medication that goes beyond prescriptions. Mm -hmm. So if they're a regular user of vitamins or over-the-counter remedies all of that should be included. Mm -hmm. They can interact negatively with prescriptions and with each other. I also recommend to family caregivers in certain situations that they keep a log of activity and so often they can give you a litany of the things that they're concerned about. You know, this is the time he got lost when he was driving. This is when this, you know, Mm -hmm. bill collectors were calling because mom didn't pay her bills, that kind of thing. And the caregiver kind of keeps all of this in their head and they rehearse it because they're really worried, you know, about the things that they're seeing. If you write those things down, they don't have to keep bouncing around in your head. Oh, wow. And it's also an objective thing that Mm -hmm. you can give the provider and communicate very quickly and very efficiently without having to recount every single story. Yeah. Just as important to keep in the folder that comes to every healthcare appointment are a parent's advance directive and paperwork establishing a healthcare representative who will make decisions if the patient is unable to. Both of these documents can be downloaded from the State Department of Public Health website. Actually, everyone should start thinking about their advanced directives after the age of 18. Anne Elwell is Vice President of Community Relations for Qualidime, a nonprofit healthcare consultancy. You never know something unforeseen Mm -hmm. could happen, and many times people end up getting care that they would not have wanted had they been able to speak for themselves. But end-of-life care is complicated. What constitutes too much care can vary depending on the situation. Elwell spoke with CHIT just after legislation passed that aims to make in-depth, proactive conversations on the subject more common in Connecticut. Most medical orders for life-sustaining treatment have been piloted around the state. 
Now they will be available statewide for patients who want to plan ahead. And so what it is, is it's a form that you go through. Should you not be able to speak for yourself, what are the things that you would elect to have? Do you want CPR? Do you want a feeding tube? Do you want to be intubated? And this can happen with your practitioner. But again, it doesn't have to happen all at once. It can happen over multiple visits with a clinician. And then it lets the Uh, ambulance people, the ER people, should you go there, know what the order is, what you want. Does most care cover not just extraordinary care, but to some extent ordinary care? I'm thinking to when my mother was in a nursing home, she had difficulty swallowing. I think she was on 13 medications. And I saw an aide sort of struggling to crush things up in applesauce one day, and I said, oh, stop. Don't, it doesn't matter what her cholesterol level is exactly. anymore. Exactly, exactly. But it was a big deal. My sister, who was the healthcare agent, had to get the doctor on the phone, which took some time, yep. and he needed to write a new order. Would care change once we recognize someone's at the end of life? Not just respirators, if but they have a Lipitor. Most, if they have a MOLST form, yes. You can get a MOLST form through your primary care clinician. MOLST forms will be bright green and hard to miss. Elwell recommends putting them on the refrigerator. Sharing them with siblings can help avoid conflict over care decisions. Along with all the paperwork, the scheduling, and the negotiating that goes into taking care of an aging parent, there remains a personal relationship to be maintained. Donna Fettis. When people get older and do tend to have more health care needs, or they may have Alzheimer's disease or another kind of dementia, that diagnosis or that condition usually floats up to the very top and it becomes primary. And a lot of conversation revolves around what are we going to do about this or what do we have to know about that? And you do have to know about it. You know, it's important and your life can be easier to the extent that you accept that and figure out how to handle that particular disease or issue or whatever it is. But it's not the whole person, not at all. And so recognizing that, as you did, is really the first thing and the most important thing to do. And once you recognize that, you can act on it in different ways. So you can say, today we're having like a health-free zone, you know, we're not talking about it, or we're going to make sure that we keep doing enrichment activities and doing things and talking about things that don't have anything to do with their illness, but have everything to do with them as a person and the kinds of things that you enjoy doing with them. I'm Colleen Shaddix, and this has been The Workup a production of the Connecticut Health Investigative Team. You can find more information about caring for an elderly parent at our website, c-hit.org. This podcast was produced with the support of Connecticut. For more information, visit Connecticut.com. To learn more about Connecticut's health insurance plans, visit chooseconnecticut.com. <laughs>